0: Up. Who remembers what last week was all about? What was the crazy thing that Jesus said I mentioned? Wow, you guys are really good listeners. <laughs> no excuse, Seth. Alright, I guess it's an excuse. There were two things that he said that I brought up. One of them was, the guy said, I want to follow you. What was his response, the first guy? Maybe that'll jog your memory. I need to go bury my father. No, that was the second person. <laughs> ah. The first one was foxes have what? They have they holes. Holes. And birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to what? Lay his Pretty weird response to somebody, right? <laughs> and then the next one, John, was what? Take another bite and then I'll ask you again. <laughs> That's right. Let the dead bury their own dead. It's a pretty harsh response to somebody that asks to go bury their father, right? But Jesus said some pretty crazy things. Those are just a couple of them. If you go read the Gospels, you see a lot of weird stuff that he said. But every one of them are true statements. Every one of them is, in and of itself, good. It might be hard news to hear, but that doesn't change the fact that it's good news still because we need to hear it, right? Some of what he said was so crazy that it caused people to do pretty crazy things. And that's on both sides, good and bad. Some of what he said was so crazy it caused people to want to kill him. Hopefully, you guys haven't been in that position too much. (laughs) Some of what he said was so good that it caused people to give up everything for him. I mean, it was just, they're like, I'm yours, completely. Jesus was telling people, you might want to follow me, but there's lots of excuses as to why we choose not to follow him, maybe. And tonight we're going to talk about what it takes to follow him, because last week it was all kind of a people saying, I want to follow you, and then Jesus' response to them was, you kind of don't know what you're asking about. You think you want to follow me, but let me... Let me tell you what it's going to take, what it's going to look like. Well, tonight we're going, to, we're going to talk about something that kind of piggybacks off of last week. So if you have your Bibles, if you have your phones and you want to look it up, I'm going to start out of Luke. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 through 27. It says, Now great crowds accompanied him. And he turned and said to them, so it would be like great crowds following him around. And what he chooses to do is he turns around to all these people that won't leave him alone. They keep following him everywhere he goes. And he says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. That's pretty intense, right? You got a bunch of people. Imagine our pastor, Pastor Tim, senior pastor here, or whatever church you go to. Or even me, yeah. No, no, say I'm doing my own thing, I'm in Walmart, and there's just a crowd of people following me wanting to hear what I have to say about God. They're following me around like crazy, like a bunch of lost puppies. And my response to them as I'm grocery shopping is I turn around and I just go, unless you hate your family, you can't be my disciple. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) I think it's deserving of saying, he said what? He said what? What was that he just said? Excuse me? (laughs) Excuse me? I got a brother who would say, Excuse me, a bacon powder? (laughs) He's a real weirdo. (laughs) He's even more weird than me. (laughs) But it's weird, right? I mean, Jesus' response is like, Why would you say that? Don't you want people to follow you? But here's the thing. Jesus wants people to truly follow him. He doesn't want fake disciples. He doesn't want people that aren't in it for the right reasons. He wants people that actually want to follow him because like what I said last week, there are some things that Jesus says that people won't like to hear, but he said them because God was saying them. So to be his follower means to say what he says, do what he does, go where he goes, and everywhere he goes isn't always pretty. It isn't always awesome. He went to some places that were offensive to people at the time. He went to people's houses that the religious leaders at the time were going, he went where? Are you kidding me? He went to that house? That person's terrible. Why would he go there? I mean, he went places that were seen as despicable. They were seen as to be despised, undesirable. But he went there anyways. It's a pretty serious description that he gives these people that follow him. They're walking around and Jesus I like how somebody says I don't know who it was that originated it, but Jesus didn't preach to gain followers. He he preached to like get rid of them. He he weeded them out. He got rid of those that weren't serious about it. The relationships that Jesus was bringing up in this statement though. I mean, they're they're the people in our lives that we would argue are probably the people that we love the most, right? Or that we're supposed to love the most or love us the most. I mean, my relationship with my wife is supposed to be the most serious human relationship I have, right? Supposed to love her above any one of you. What? Sorry. (laughs) So are you saying that you don't love her above all of us? No, no, no. I'm not saying that. (laughs) Careful, careful. Careful. Jesus was saying in comparison to all of these relationships, your relationship to me is supposed to have it appear like you don't even love them. (laughs) In comparison. Now obviously Jesus isn't saying, actually go hate everybody, because that's contrary to the greatest commandment which says to love God and then love your neighbor as yourself. right? And He loved us so much that He died for us. And He expects us to love other people. But in comparison, the love you have for God is supposed to be number one. Jesus says elsewhere that you can't serve two masters. You'll either love one and hate the other. So I am to have only one master over me. One person I am completely devoted to. And that's the Lord, right? Some of you guys might not have, not have very good relationships with the people listed that Jesus said. I mean, I know for some people to say, hating your father or mother, oh, that's not difficult. There's people out there, some of you might even feel that way. Some of you might feel that way about your siblings. Well, Jesus said I'm supposed to hate you. <laughs> so I'm going to I'm do it right now. I'm just doing what he told me. <laughs> yeah. That's definitely taking Scripture out of context. <laughs> But some of you might have horrible relationships that Jesus listed here, with your father, your mother, your siblings. None of you here are married that are teenagers, right? I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) But all you gotta do is you just gotta take whatever relationship is most important to you and put it in that place. In comparison to your best friend you're to hate them compared to your love for Jesus. In comparison to your boyfriend or girlfriend. I hit a nerve with some of you. (laughs) Your love for Jesus is supposed to surpass that as if it's not even in the same ballpark. It's not even comparable, the love that you have for him. I don't know who that person is to you, but Jesus, if you're following him, has probably at some point turned around and said to you, you love them more than me. What's that about? Are you truly following me or not? Matthew 10, 37-39 through says in the New Living Translation, if you love your father or mother more than you love me you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you are not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you are not worthy of being mine. How many times did to you say you're not worthy of being mine? <laughs> it's like three times in like just one passing phrase. And he says, verse 39, If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you will find it. What I always like to say is if Jesus says something more than once, you really, really need to pay attention. Just a few chapters later, he says again to the disciples. Which means they should remember what he said the first time he said it, right? But how many times do we forget? Matthew 16 24 and 25 says then Jesus said to his disciples if any of you wants to be my follower you must give up your own way take up your cross and follow me if you try to hang on to your life you will lose it but if you give up your life for my sake you will save it It says it twice Yep, every one of the gospels has an account of it of him saying those words this is pretty amazing Because they don't always say the same things. And sometimes they do. And if they did, then it's super, super important. You better pay attention. (laughs) Jesus is talking to his own disciples who are literally following him at this point. I mean, that's what they're doing. To be a disciple is to be a follower of Jesus. So he's saying, there's going to become a point, if it hasn't happened already, where you're going to be tempted to reject me. And they all did. There's going to become a point where you're tempted to say no. Where you're tempted to turn around and stop. Or just stay put and say, no, I'm not following you there. I'm not going there. I'm not going to go to that place. You guys know what a cross was symbolic of at the time? Because we we see people wearing crosses as jewelry, right? Some of you might even have it right now, right? I mean, we wear a cross as a piece of jewelry, but it's a symbol of something. And I think the symbol's gotten lost over time. What was a cross at the time? I mean, this is before Jesus was even hung on one. Well, a cross was what? Do you guys know? It was execution. The equivalent today would be like wearing an electric chair around your neck. And it also was a curse. It was a curse. It says in... It says in Psalms, cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree. So to the Jews, it was a curse. I mean, anyone who's hung on one is cursed. Which he was. He was cursed for our transgressions. He was beaten and bruised for our sins, right? A cross is seen as death. That's what it is. So for Jesus to say these words is also another thing deserving of, he said, What? They're looking at each other, Like, pick up their cross. Why would I even want one? <laughs> Why do I even have one? Well, that's what it is. It's it's symbolic of death, and it's a symbolism of dying to yourself. Saying, not me, I'm, I'm not living for myself anymore. I like a quote that Chris, Chris Valatin has. He comes from Bethel over in Redding, California. And one thing that he says is that, he says this in, in reference to marriage, but he also says it in reference to being a disciple, which is that being a disciple is a death march to a life camp. Now, think about those words for a moment. And that's symbolic of marriage because, I mean, marriage is to be a reflection of our relationship with Christ. It's a death march to a life camp. And I love that quote. And it's so true. It really is. Because it's saying, I give up myself. And that's where life is found. To say, I, I have nothing that I give up is to have death. But to give up everything is to really, truly have life. I mean, we were singing words just earlier that I will not give what costs me nothing. Do you guys believe that? Or are those words that you actually believe in yourself? I believe those words are impactful, they're powerful but they're only as powerful as you apply them. A sacrifice implies giving something up that's valuable. But you wouldn't give it up if you didn't feel like what you're giving it up for was more valuable. And I believe this life is more valuable that, we're, that we gain from doing this. Following Jesus is a death march to a life camp. What a cross symbolizes is, I declare my death to everyone around me. My life isn't mine. I give it up. I don't answer to myself anymore. My life and my decisions are not mine. They belong to the one who died for me. They belong to the one who died on it, on the cross. So if you wear a cross, know what it is. Know what you're wearing. It's not wrong to wear one. It can be a great reminder to you of whose you are and the decisions that you make and what they're supposed to be for. 2 Corinthians five thirteen through 15 says, If it seems we are crazy, this is New Living Translation, I love how it says this, If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive His new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. These are words of Paul who gave everything up to tell people about Jesus. And he went to the places where the Jews despised him. They were the Gentiles. They were seen as the the people that weren't God's chosen. The people that weren't God's people. The, The lesser of creation, of humanity. And God told him, I want you to go to them and declare to them, I love them and I want them. So he gave up everything. This is the guy who was of high status. He had it all going for him. He encountered Jesus and he said, I give it up. That life I had, I don't have anymore. Because I choose to, to kill it. To let it die on the cross and pick it up and follow Jesus with my new life that he's given me. honestly to do something crazy for god is to be in your right mind as long as he's called you to do it and god's looking for a people who will say i'm all yours and won't back out just because it gets difficult jesus said a lot of good things he said a lot of things that were painful to hear too the amazing thing is is he always said something that made the painful thing endurable <laughs> something that's able to be endured because he gave the answer to be able to do it have you guys ever done something crazy yeah. done something that you're like people are like dude you're out of your mind why would you do that and in your mind you're thinking no no no, no. I'm in my right mind. <laughs> this is the only thing that's reasonable to me <laughs> Something that seems completely crazy. I know for myself, there's a few things I've done. (laughs) But there's one example that I'm literally living right now where I wanted to share this with you guys just to see the the decisions I've made. The the ones that haven't been for myself are always the best decisions I've ever made. I used to work at a grocery store and at the grocery store, I'm going to college, I'm working towards getting a degree, and I had this goal of going into ministry, getting a degree in youth ministry, and then after college, going to be a youth pastor, and obviously here I am a youth pastor now, right? Well, there were people that I worked with, and there were people, some of them John's age, some of them a little bit younger, a little bit older than him, and they're looking at me, oh, you're going to college, what you going to college for? And I tell them, yeah, this is a great chance for me to share my faith. (laughs) And I tell them, I say, I'm going to be a youth pastor. And they're like, what? He said, what? (laughs) But I tell them this, and they're like, how's that going to pay the bills? If you didn't know, the salary of a youth pastor isn't usually anything to gloat about. (laughs) I mean, the world sees it as, why? Why would you do that? You're throwing your life away. You have so much going for you. There's so many other things you could do with your life, and you're choosing to do that? Why in the world would you go to do that? You're wasting your time. Even if you succeed in it, you're not succeeding. That's what the world says to me. That's what they literally told me. I mean, I had so many conversations with people where they're like, why did you pick that one? You're plenty capable. You're a smart kid. You can do a lot of other things. Well, I'm like, this is what God told me to do. And I'm like, all right, whatever. You're wasting your time. They saw it as crazy. They saw me as doing something crazy for God. They saw me as not in my right mind. I'm like, you're you're nuts. Why would you do something like that? You're wasting your time. They thought to themselves, there's no way you're gonna be able to get a house one day. I got a house down. There's no way you're gonna be able to support a family. My family is well fed and (laughs) well-dressed. I mean, this is the things that they said. You're wasting your time, and you're going to make your family be despised. They're going to be nothing. Why would you do that? You're, you're going to cause your family to be suffering. You're not going to provide for them. Well, I'm not the one that's providing for my family, right? God's the one that provides all of our needs, right? According to His riches and glory. In Christ Jesus. I mean, that's that's what I did. I saw something that God wanted me to do. I said, all right. I'll do it. And the world goes, you're stupid. <laughs> Why would you do that? But I can tell you here today, I have no regrets making that decision. I have no regrets in what I'm doing with my life today. Because I know I'm doing what God wants me to. There were people that came across Jesus' path that they had everything. Paul was one of them. There's another man that came across his path and he said, sell all your possessions and give to the poor and follow me. Which is basically what Paul did. Say what? <laughs> and he walks away sad. He didn't do it. Who knows? Maybe he's the one that we could have been reading out of the New Testament. Who knows? But I guess nothing happened of it. Doing something crazy for God... To bring glory to him is the best thing you could ever do. There's no regrets found in it. Jesus isn't saying this. I want, I want to be clear with this one. Jesus is not saying, follow me and your life is just going to suck a long time until I get back. <laughs> okay? There are difficulties that are going to happen. But like I've said several times this year, Difficulties happen no matter what. Last year was proof of that. (laughs) Difficulties are gonna happen. Hard times are gonna happen. But it's always better to have those hard times with Jesus than not. (laughs) Jesus isn't saying, if you want to follow me, you just need to allow your life to suck all the time. It's not what he's saying. (laughs) But it makes those hard times, those difficult moments, way more endurable. Because you have a purpose and a reason as to why you're walking through them. Doing something awesome when you know you're not supposed to be doing it, on the flip side, only ends up leaving you with regrets, though. If you do all the right things for all the wrong reasons, the Bible says it's still the wrong thing. Paul lived a crazy life. He had everything going for him. And when he met Jesus, it changed everything for him. It changed his life. He encountered him and said, all of it's garbage, compared to knowing Jesus. It says that in one of his letters. Compared to knowing Christ, everything else is rubbish. It's nothing. It's garbage. It's trash, compared to Jesus. I choose to preach Him and Him crucified and that's all. That's all that makes the difference. If I didn't preach that, then what What good would my preaching be? He's a guy who lived a life devoted to, to Jesus and he didn't regret the crazy things that he did. I doubt he's regretting them now. <laughs> it's worth laughing about, right? He is. Paul said, All of the sufferings we endure in this life, which to carry death, which is what a cross symbolized, is to say there will be suffering. There will be hardships. There will be pain. There will be things that you endure that won't be fun. You'll have friends that will turn their backs on you because you follow him. You'll have family members that will make fun of you because you follow him. Guys, I'm being serious. This stuff's going to happen to you. But Paul said, it's worth it for what is waiting for me, for choosing to live this life. Choosing to follow Him, wholly devoted, nothing held back, all after Him. It's worth it. Nothing else matters compared to that. All the sufferings are nothing compared with what God has waiting for me when I walk into heaven and He says, well done good and faithful servant." I want to hear those words. Here's how Paul viewed his own life and now he saw God wanted us to view our own life. Romans 14 7 and 8, it says for we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. Guys this is crazy talk. (laughs) We don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. And if we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Guys, that's a passage worth memorizing. (laughs) That's a passage worth getting on the inside of your head. (laughs) For those times where you're like, what am I living for? Oh yeah, that's right. I'm not living for myself. (laughs) I'm living for Him. Every day you're given a choice whether you're going to live to honor God or you're going to live to honor yourself or honor somebody else. The choice is yours, though. Who are you going to honor? You look at the life of Paul that you see throughout all of these letters that he wrote to the churches. You see who he lived to honor. There were times he had to tell the churches he wrote to, you think I'm living this for myself? You think I'm doing this for me? Who in the right mind would do this for themselves? <laughs> Everything that I had, you want to remember all these sufferings that I've had to endure? He was shipwrecked twice. He was beaten more times than he could count. I always tell people it's because he lost count of them because of how many times he was beaten. <laughs> started messing with his brain cells. He couldn't keep track of it anymore. He was given 39 lashes so many times. Okay. And people thought, once you hit 40, you're going to kill a person. That's why they stopped it at 39. They're like, nobody can survive 40. So we'll stop it at 39. <laughs> they weren't the smartest people back then. <laughs> but I mean, this is the kind of life that Jesus says is the best life to have. One that is not for yourself. Because it's one that has purpose. That has true purpose and meaning that it actually means something. Let me read that again. Romans 14, 7 and 8. For we don't live for ourselves or die for ourselves. If we live, it's to honor the Lord. If we die, it's to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Every decision you guys make every single day can be the one to honor God or honor somebody else. When one of your teammates on the sports team shows you up, you can choose the words that come out of your mouth to honor God or honor yourself. (laughs) The relationships you're in. That includes friendships, dating relationships. Guys, those relationships I chose to live weren't honoring God unless God told me to do that. Unless God told me to have them. Some of you guys haven't even asked that self about persons you're dating. I'm getting real here now. (laughs) relationships you get into, are you going to honor God with them or not? the friendships you have in your life, are you honoring God with them or not? the jobs that you're going to get the way you treat your parents the way you treat your siblings that one's tough, right? are you going to honor God or are you going to honor yourself? Because a life that honors God is one that is better than anyone we could ever choose. Some of you guys have decisions you got to make tonight. You got decisions, I need to end this relationship. It is not good. It's not honoring God. It was never honoring God when I even said yes to it. Some of you guys need to choose better friends. Some of you might need to change the sports team you're on or quit it in general because it's a stumbling block of pride for you. I don't know what it may be. Because anything, we we can choose anything to be an idol. Anything to be more important than God in our life. And what he says is, you must love me more than anything. Love me more than anyone. But here's the real truth of it too. Loving God first causes you to love others better. Loving God first causes your love for other people to be more possible. (laughs) The love that I can give my wife as my wife, laying my own life down for her, is way better love as having God first than without. And she would detest it. You want me to love you without God? I don't think I want to either. (laughs) Guys, you might be thinking, there's no way I can love my siblings. There's no way I can love my parents. You don't know what they've done to me You don't know how they treated me. You don't know how impossible they are. Guys, when you put God first in your life, everything else seems to become way more possible. When you don't put him first, everything else becomes impossible. I mean, apart from him, you can do nothing. That's what he said. So I don't know what decisions you have to make. I hope that you guys will be willing to share those tonight. And allow tonight not to just be something that you hear, but something that moves you to action. To do something that changes your life for the better. Taking up your cross isn't easy. But it's really truly where true life is found. So I'm going to end by saying these last words that Jesus said that I started with pretty intense stuff right in Luke and I want you guys to think about it. it says great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters yes and even his own life he cannot be my disciple whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple everybody stand up we're going to pray And then we're going to get into groups here. All right. Lord, I thank you for what you did on the cross. And what you did on the cross really was completely selfless. It was not for yourself. It was for us. God, you wanted us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here that doesn't feel wanted that that would speak volumes to them. If there's anyone here that doesn't feel as if they're valuable, that that would speak volumes to them. And Lord, if there's anyone here that's been feeling as if their life is has to be found in their own hands, and they have to do everything for themselves in order to get through life, that is a lie. It says in your word that when we lay our life down, when we give it up, it's where true life is found. Lord, I pray that that, that would change our lives today. That it would mark this day as something where we were different from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen.